0: Hey everyone, welcome to the experiment. What you're about to hear is part one of part one of Foul and Fair, which is going to shape up to be a pretty hefty story by the end of things. I have a lot of plans, Uh, but we're starting here with with the first chapter, and there are two more uh, up on the Patreon feed right now. After this, we're going to release one on the last Sunday of every month, until we get to the end of the story and um, there might be other story machines um, in between now and then uh, but i'm gonna make sure that we've got a chunk of foul and fair um, is whispering nothing and then whatever part two is called for quite some time i hope you enjoy listening to this and i hope uh those of you who've contributed names of places and and characters, get your money's worth, and get some enjoyment out of hearing what you've added to the world. Uh, a lot of uh, the story has been developed around like some of the suggestions that have been thrown out on the supporter channel on our Discord server. Uh, so I think you're going to see it slowly develop over time, just how much of an impact uh, some of these names and some of these characters have. Um, and I hope you enjoy it. Um, Without further ado, Foul and Fair. The Story Machine, Foul and Fair, Part 1, Is Whispering Nothing, Chapter 1. Thank you. so late, my hands are shaking. I'm gonna lose my job. They're gonna be waiting at the door when I walk into Mama Ruby's, and they're gonna fire me. Then I'm done. I'll lose my room, I'll starve, and I won't be able to afford my medicine. The Whisperer awaits a sacrifice. No. No, it's gonna be okay, Ian. I take a deep breath, break open the seal on today's vial, almost dropping the whole thing in the basin as I do. My hands are shaking. Gotta calm down grip the edge of the basin with one hand to steady myself, because hurrying will only make it worse. I'm trying to remember who's running the floor tonight. I'm trying to assure myself it's someone who'll understand. Anyone but Ruby. Carefully, with my whole fist like I'm a child, I dump the foul-tasting medicine in my mouth, close my eyes, and swallow. My hands are so numb they feel like they belong to someone else. I try to chase the thing down with a dipper of water, but my nerves are showing again and I dump it all over my shirt. There's no time to change. I'm already screwed. So I lose my composure for a second. I throw the empty vial down into the sink, and it shatters there because I don't think anything through ever. I'm halfway out of the room by then anyways, thinking about the extra charge for a new vial and how much harder it's going to be to afford to stay medicated after I lose my job. No time to dwell on it, though. I've got to get moving. I rush over to the door, pop on my hat, and grab my bag off the floor under the mail slot. The letter falls off the top of it. That's strange. Seeing the paper sitting on the floor stops me dead. The wax seal is ornate, like a big shield with flowers around it or something, and I don't recognize it. Shields have connotations, the kind of authority that I've got a history with. Nobody sends me letters. I haven't seen a symbol like this on any member of the watch. Would I have noticed? There's no time to process it. I have to get to work or or my life is over. I grab the letter and run out the door, barely remembering to pull it shut behind me, and then rush my way down the hall, past all the other rooms in the hostel, swing around the corner and take the stairs at a run, only pausing to jump the broken one so I don't get a foot caught there and break my face open. That'd be just like me, wouldn't it? After that I jump again over the last four stairs and practically throw myself out of the flimsy spring-loaded front door. It's cold outside. Winter in Gwyth is coming, and it's the kind of winter that kills. I was foolish enough to forget my coat. My shirt is wet from the collar to the stomach, but it's less of a problem than it should be because my heart is pounding and my blood is keeping me hot. Mistakes on mistakes on mistakes rolling down the side of the mountain. My blood is keeping me hot and I won't get sick through sheer force of will. I'm being optimistic. Dr. Blastani says it's important to be optimistic. There isn't much traffic out this time of day. Half the town has gone off to war and almost everyone who's left is scrambling to cover the jobs the soldiers have left behind or worn to the bone from covering for so long, so I don't have to dodge too many carts to run across the road and down the next rutted lane. The Mud's not bad today, even if the ground never seems to dry. It's nearly frozen solid and not ripping my poorly tied boots off my feet. The cold wind is turning that patch of water on my front into a patch of ice and starting to burn my skin. So there's good and bad. I've got a job and I'm not in the war and I'm in control and I'm not dead. I'm almost at work and everything is gonna be okay. I can get everything done in plenty of time and there is no reason to fire me. I have this under control I'm not going to panic. There's that letter I've got crumpled up in my left hand, squeezing it tightly enough that my fingers are hurting my palm and I'm trying not to think about what the shield seal means. That's what's throwing me off. seems like it has to be something important or official or from someone rich. Poor people don't seal envelopes with shields, they seal them with wax blobs hands have gone from numb to hurting and I tell myself a joke. Maybe it's from my sister. Maybe Kenna's rich now and I don't have to worry about getting fired. I'm a funny guy when I want to be. It's just a few more strides to round the corner onto the main drag and Mama Ruby's standing there across the way and down two blocks. The lanterns are already up inside even though we've still got some sun. That's a bad sign. When I open I light the lanterns. If someone else has lit them they notice that I didn't light them. They made a point of lighting them early enough to emphasize the fact that they noticed that I wasn't there to light them at all, and they're already doing my job for me for the night in anticipation of firing me when I finally show up. The Whisperer awaits a sacrifice. All of this can go away. That's not smart. That's not reasonable. What i have to look out for making too many assumptions being paranoid assuming the worst when there's reason to be optimistic the whispers aren't there to help me they're there to be ignored and they're easy to ignore so i pinch myself clearly i'm just getting agitated because i've forgotten to take my medicine i step out of the street and i lean against the outside wall of the post office and drop my bag on the ground and sift through it for a vial i should still have a few I find one. I drag out the little vial, pop the seal, and throw back the awful tasting contents in a single gulp. The liquid feels warm compared to the ice cold water on my shirt. The water I spilled on myself after I took my medicine. Damn it. Too late to fix it, I assume. I shove the stopper, the empty vial, and the letter in my bag and then complete the trip to Mama Ruby's at a slower pace. The bitter taste lingers in my mouth as a reminder this time. The door isn't locked, and no one's out on the main floor at all right now, so they won't know exactly when I've arrived. That could be good. I'm going to focus and do good work, and everything is going to be okay, and I'm going to talk to Dr. Blutani in the morning, and everything is going to be fine. I can imagine myself explaining all of this then, and we laugh about it, and he's proud of me for keeping control. A younger Ian might have spiraled out of control. I never lose control anymore. I pinch myself again, harder, just in case. We don't open for maybe half an hour, and that's plenty of time to get the place ready as long as I'm focused. I jog around to the closet tucked into the wall of this hidden nook behind the bar and throw my bag up on a high shelf there, hang my hat on a peg on the inside of the door, and then grab a broom and get to work. The sound of straw and wood and the repetitive motion back and forth across the floor absorbs my attention for a while. It's nice to have something to do with my hands got the lobby mostly free of last night's debris when the first person emerges from the kitchen and actually notices me it's annie though i didn't realize she was singing tonight there's going to be a crowd i'm not sure if that's good or worse i'm not sure yet if i'm going to be able to handle a crowd more work certainly but i get to hear her sing I don't even need to try to be optimistic about that. She glances in my direction and I avert my eyes because she's not looking for me and I'm busy taking down the chairs and moving the tables into their positions and paying attention to my breathing and not to her. Trying to make it clear by the direction I'm facing and the level of attention I'm paying to my work that I'm not looking at her and I'm not thinking about her and I'm not creepy. There's a noise from over by the bar loud enough to draw my attention and then Annie is gone second later, Kate is standing in the doorway looking at me, looking at me like I'm fired, or he wants me dead. Not coming over to talk, though. I see you. I'm doing my job. Everything's fine. They let me set things up, so I set things up. They let me clean after we open, because I'm the only one here who cleans and there's going to be a crowd. Mama Ruby's is a respectable establishment, and part of that reputation is the fact that we keep the lobby and the tables clean and that no one needs to think about me for very long if it can be helped. That's the trick, really. I just keep moving, stay invisible, and then I'll get to listen to Annie of DuPont, and I'll handle my shift well, and it'll be nice and busy, and I won't have to think about the letter and whatever it holds. But I just did. That was a big mistake, because now it's stuck in my head, and I can't distract myself. I finish setting up the dining room and take care of some cleaning in the back, all before the first customers arrive for the night, even though I was late. Until a few minutes ago, I was working at peak capacity. Not that it's challenging work, but I don't know. Satisfaction of a job well done, I guess. It's nice to be good at something, especially when I started a night fired in my head. But now I've got a minute, and there's no one around to watch me, and my feet carry me around to the little room behind the bar where I can't be seen unless you're specifically looking for me. I pull my bag down off the shelf and find the letter, then crack the seal in half right across the little shield. The paper inside is very thin and smaller than a regular piece. It has this odd texture to it like it's abrading my fingers. Just two sentences and a signature, along with a hand-drawn copy of that shield with flowers. I read it once, and I read it wrong because I'm stressed out, and I took too much medicine, and I'm not great with reading to begin with, and I'm just expecting the worst. So I read it again. Now it's clear that I'm hallucinating, and this piece of paper isn't real or doesn't say what I think it's saying. I crumple the stupid thing up, then flatten it out and read it again, because how is this possible? Then I shove it back in my pack and stuff the bag in the shelf, as far back as it'll go, like that's going to do anything, and then close up the closet and rush back to the floor, blood pounding my ears. Lumi, I guess she's the waitress tonight, rushes by me, and she tells me to do something in an impatient voice, and I'm too wrapped up in my thoughts to really catch it, and that's just going to make things worse for me. I have to work and focus and not get fired, and there's no way I'm going to the war. We're supposed to be winning. People always say we're winning, that we've been winning for years. We can't possibly need someone like me. I pinch myself, and it doesn't help. I'm not built to be a soldier. Everyone knows that I can't be a soldier, and this is a mistake or my imagination, and anyways, we can fix it. We can. Who's we? It's it's just me. I need to get my head straight and not think about this and pretend it never happened. I'm not going to the war. Portis doesn't need someone like me. Unless they're desperate. I mean, we could be losing. Here's a new thing to fixate on as I rush around the floor, cleaning and clearing and smiling at the customers and pretending like I'm a functioning person who can communicate with them on anything but the most basic of levels. Lumi and Flower the bartender are clearly annoyed with me. Every time I happen to catch their eyes, I get reproachful looks and pointed gestures towards something I've forgotten, but this is all completely normal. I'm at the bottom of the hierarchy here. They tell me what to do, and I do it, and I'm doing it. And They think I'm doing a bad job, no matter how well I do. Doesn't matter. I'm going as fast as I can, and even if it's a busy night, I'm on top of things. The war can wait until later. I've hit a groove, and it feels good this way. Hours pass. I'm more than focused. Don't need help don't need to be yelled at not screwing anything up or getting myself any more fired than i already was and i don't need to stop to throw up behind the building because i'm supposed to go to war even if my stomach really really wants me to the band is bringing in their stuff now i've already cleared out the corner of the floor for them to set up so a nice distraction is coming today isn't so horrible kate hasn't even bothered to track me down and scream in my face I'm heading out behind the building to dump my bucket and refill it from the well, but as I come through the doorway, I plow into something that gives, and the grime-filled bucket of water dumps all over Lumi, who is now on the floor because i walked right into her and knocked her down. Numbness spreads through my limbs and my jaws. I stare down at her, and I can't react to help her up or try her off or do anything but stare at her like I've just killed someone. She grabs the doorframe and pulls herself up, staring at me with intense hatred, and I'm still trying to muster an apology when she shoves by me, saying, Just get away from me, and disappears into the kitchen somewhere. My heart is pounding in my neck, but now she's gone, at least, and I'm not paralyzed. Hell of a soldier I'll make, scared to death of helping someone up. I can taste bile, and my pants are wet below the knees, didn't even notice it a second ago, and there are three gallons of dirty soapy water sinking into the stones. Now I'm grabbing whatever absorbent thing I can find to try to mitigate the slipperiness. And then a shadow looms over me, and a shiver runs down my spine. A Whisperer awaits a sacrifice. It's quiet and it's not real, but I hear it all the same. There's no Whisperer. I need to be reasonable. It's always just been me. It's Cade's real voice that comes out from behind me, though. You know you're killing me, right? This, at least, I can respond to. He doesn't even sound all that mad, just exasperated. Annie started out in the lobby, and I'm missing it, but the sound is reverberating through the stones below me, and it helps. God, it's that voice. And I'm not fired yet. i still got a chance. I'm sorry, it was completely my fault. I wasn't looking where I was going, and I just kept walking. Can you tell me, I'm sorry? I couldn't... Shut up for a second, he says, much angrier than a second ago, and I finally turn to look at him, and his face is bright red. I know what happened, and it's unacceptable. I've got a full house out there, and my waitress is off the floor looking for a change of clothes. You're in here having one of your self-pity attacks and leaving flour to cover the whole tavern. He wants me to fire you, call the watch to take you away, or let him beat the hell out of you, and they're all compelling arguments. This can't keep happening, Ian. Get yourself under control. This is not a hard job, and you're out of second chances. Right. Of course. He walks away without giving me a chance to explain, but I'm in no state to talk to anyone. Funny thing is, I should feel better. I'm not fired. I was late. I cover Lumi in dirt water. Annie is playing. I'm not fired. Everything's fine. My tongue is too big, though. It's overfilling my mouth and pushing into my throat, and I can barely get air around it. The side effect of the extra dose, or the nerves, or that letter that's sitting in my bag and refusing to change, waiting for me to go back over and confirm it's real again. I don't know. Maybe I'm better off in the war. Maybe I'll die there. Maybe something's going horribly wrong and I'm dying right now. I'll talk to Dr. Plutani in the morning. He'll sort this out, and I won't die. He'll know what to do.